Please open your Bibles to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. pray. Lord, the days are coming when the mountains and the seas and the birds and the fish will rejoice and sing. You will give voice to the fish and the birds, and they will sing over your judgment with equity. Father, my prayer now for this worship service and for this message is that we would not be lax in summoning the nations to sing to the Lord. Grant, I pray, O God, that you would raise up in these rooms martyrs, people willing to lay down their lives to declare your glory among the nations, your marvelous works among all the peoples. O oh God, awaken at Bethlehem, awaken a passion for the nations to hear of the salvation of the Lord. Forbid that we would be ethnocentric or country-centric or region-centric or family-centric or, God forbid, ego-centric. Give us large hearts, O oh God, hearts big enough to be discouraged well and depressed well and regretful well and angry well, and then get the nations around 
us and us around the nations well. Oh, don't leave us to our emotions. Come. Get a people radical, ready, moving for yourself, I pray, for the sake of the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the final message in the series on thinking and feeling with God in the Psalms. And I want to strike two notes that I see in Psalm 96. Note number one, nations. Note number two, singing. And ask, how should we think and feel about nations? How should we think and feel about singing? What's the connection between nations and feeling? And what does Jesus have to do with nations and feeling? And what does heaven mean when it comes to nations and singing? By way of review, zit. It's all out there now. We'll be in 30 minutes. An overview from Psalm 1, highlighting the fact that the Psalms are the Word of God, and therefore they are instruction, and the Psalms are songs and poetry, and therefore they are to shape feelings, and therefore instruction and feelings mean thinking and feeling are being shaped by the Psalms. That's why they're in the Bible. We go there with all of our feelings and all of our thinking, and we get our thinking fixed and our feelings shaped. That's why they're in the Bible. You don't go telling them what they should be. They tell you how to feel. And they do it so well because they feel so many things. And they welcome us into their feelings and then they give it shape and they change us. So that was the introduction with Psalm 1. And then we entered into some of those feelings. The first one was spiritual depression from Psalm 42. How to be discouraged well. And then we went into the horrible emotion of guilt when you've done something awful and you just feel totally useless, helpless, damned. And how do you do regret well? Psalm 51 with David and Bathsheba and Uriah and the baby. What a great psalm. How do you be regretful well? And then we came up out of regret and depression into Psalm 103 on Father's Day, soaring with, bless the Lord, O my soul, and, and just the heart free from regret and free from discouragement and telling the Lord all of His good traits. And then, last time, we realized that people who are blessing the Lord often are badly abused. Terrible things happen to people who are blessing the Lord. And inside us, there rises up an anger and a rage that has so much right in it that we need an imprecatory psalm to manage this. And we did all of it at the beginning of this service here. Psalm 69 and the calling down of the damnation of God upon His unrepentant enemies. And the point there was simply this. That's going to happen. And the inspired psalmist speaking on behalf of the Messiah in promissory notes and just tones lets us know it's going to happen. 
And the implication for us today on this side of the cross is when that justice and that rage and that anger rises in you for all the injustice done to you as a child or at work, you now can say with the Lord, vengeance is yours, Lord. It's not mine. It's either going to be dealt with on the cross for those who repent, or it's going to be dealt with in hell for those who don't. I can't make hell hotter. I can't make the cross worse. I would not dare to improve upon your wrath poured out on Jesus. I would not dare to improve upon your wrath poured out on the unrepentant. I will lay it down and love my enemy. Now, where's all that going? Is that it? Are the Psalms just about helping us feel things rightly and think rightly? Or is it going somewhere? Is there something bigger than me and my feelings here? Me and my little depression and me and my little anger and me and my little blessing of of my children. Glorious as that is. Is it ending there? And it isn't. If you've been listening for the last minutes of this service, and if you read with the reading of the Scripture, Psalm 96, you know where it's going. It's going to the nations. That's where it's going. So my question now is, how shall we think and feel about the nations? If you stopped last time, something's missing. (laughs) In a sense, we've arrived with Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And then you just catalog the benefits and you soar with the sovereign God. I mean, what's left? And what's left is... There are millions of people who don't know what you're talking about. There are whole nations, whole people groups who couldn't make the first step in that direction because there's no news yet that Christ has come. You can't bless this Lord with authenticity and not care about that. No way. This Christ who came for the nations and for the world, you cannot count Him as Lord of your life and not carry that in your heart. You will live with a deep sickness in your soul if you try to make much of Jesus and not do anything for the nations who haven't heard, there will be an abiding sickness in your soul. You will not be able to explain the sickness. You'll attribute it to everything else under the sun. What's wrong? And it's because you've never enlarged your soul to get it around the nations. That's the sickness in so many American Christians, and they don't know why their soul is sick. There are, as I see it here, three things that the psalm 
tells us to do to the nations. Let me clarify that word nations before I tell you these three things, though. It doesn't mean political states like Germany or America or China. It means the nation, the Cherokee nation, the Navajo nation, the Waurani nation. How many of these are there? About 12,000. How many of them are not reached? I'll tell you that later. Just want you to know that when we're talking nations, we're talking thousands of groups of people with their own ethno-linguistic identity into which you can't walk without changing a language and a culture to make the gospel live there. And therefore, all this silly talk today, by the way, this is a parenthesis, all this talk today about keep your missionaries home and let indigenous people do it is ridiculous. Because the very people groups who need to be reached have no indigenous Christians. This is not rocket science. Don't think India. Think a thousand people groups. Sending your money to India to think that Indians are going to evangelize their next door neighbors better than you is absolutely true. That's not the point. There are nations, peoples that Indians can't reach any easier than you can reach. And in fact, the tribal hostilities may be so great, they would welcome a Filipino and not an Indian. Or you and not an Indian. This is really complex. This is the hardest and most happy work in the world. Don't buy into this silly stuff. Keep them all home in America. We'll die if that happens. We will die if we don't send our young people to die. And our older people living off their fat retirement accounts and healthy as can be at age 67. Here are the three things that the nations that we're supposed to do. Number one, declare to them the truth of God's glory. Verse three, two and three. His works, His salvation, His glory. Verse 2, sing to the Lord, bless His name, tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. Tell His salvation, declare His glory, declare His marvelous works among all the nations. All of them, leave none out. Verse 10, sum it up like this. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. That's number one. You declare the truth of his salvation, his glory, and his works, and his kingdom among the nations. Go there and declare it. Number two. And there may be about 80 yards from here to Somalis. There's no significant church among the 50,000 Somalis in the Twin Cities. None. That's totally missions. You gotta learn a language. You gotta change your culture. It's not a geography thing we're talking about here. It's a culture thing. It's a language thing. How do you break 
in and be the gospel for a people. Number two, summon the nations, after you've declared, summon the nations to ascribe glory to the true God. Verse seven, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Or back up to verse one, second half of the verse, sing to the Lord all the earth, telling them to sing, telling them to sing. So we don't just narrate the gospel. We call for conversion to the gospel so that the nations will start singing to the true God and ascribing glory to the true God. That's number two. Number three, we warn them that judgment is coming. First, we declare the truth, salvation, glory, works, kingship, the whole council. We declare it, we teach it, we make it known, whatever the cost, and we summon, come, ascribe glory to him now. Leave your worthless idols. Americans and all peoples, Because judgment is coming. Verse 5. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Verse 10. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Verse 13. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Verse 5, in America today, is as politically incorrect as any sentence can be. And if you are interviewed on the radio, I pray God you won't wimp out on this one. Like so many are wimping out. It says, all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God and Father of Jesus, made the heavens. If you say that on NPR, first, they won't record it. But if they do, they will follow it by calling you arrogant and calling you intolerant and calling you narrow-minded. And I'm here to tell you, in the name of Jesus Christ, if you say it humbly, you're not arrogant because you're telling them the truth without which they cannot be saved. And you're not narrow-minded, because how could you be narrow-minded if your mind is getting around all the truth of the universe and re-saying it? And third, you're not intolerant because you would lay your life down rather than kill a person who had another God. And the basis of your tolerance of their error is Jesus Christ. It's the strength of your faith 
that makes you willing to die for those who are wrong. It's not the strength of your faith that leads you to kill. That happens for jihadists, not Christians. So, sing to the Lord all the earth. Declare his marvelous works among all the peoples. He is to be feared above all gods. Tremble before him all the earth. All the gods of the peoples are idols. Means all. The God of the Psalms is laying claim on everybody and every people group, none excluded. There aren't two ways to heaven. One Jewish way, one Muslim way, one Hindu way, one Buddhist way, one spiritist way, and a Christian way. Let's leave each other alone. That's not what the Bible and this psalm teaches. He is summoning all the nations to ascribe glory to the true God because judgment is coming if you don't. That's the message. And it's the most loving message that we could give because we don't write the book. Don't leave any out. Don't let any unloving trend of multiculturalism make you shrink back from calling with a loving heart and a broken spirit everyone to repent and ascribe glory to Christ, the one true and only way to God. Don't buy in to the apparent humility of multiculturalism that judges none with error. That is so demonic. Leave my people alone, the devil says. Keep your mouth shut. They're mine. I have a plan for them. Get out of their face, Christian. And it's all labeled so cleverly. Let me read you something and do a little quiz to see if you can guess who wrote this. This is not from Psalm 96. I'll read it. I will praise you among the nations and sing to your name. And again it is said... Rejoice, O nations, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you nations, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who rises to rule the nations, in him will all the nations hope. Anybody know who wrote that? Paul wrote it. Romans 15. Second question in the quiz. What is he supporting in quoting all those texts from Psalms, Deuteronomy, and Isaiah? That's where they all come from. What is he supporting? 
What is he arguing for in Romans 15 that that list of Old Testament Gentiles, 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 nations, 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 what's he arguing for? So I'll give you the answer. Verses 8 and 9. I tell you, Christ became a servant to the circumcised Jews to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the nations might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. And then come the texts. So what's what's he doing by quoting all these Psalms, Deuteronomy, Isaiah about God's target for the world, the nations? And his answer is, When Jesus Christ came into the world to confirm the promises, he also died for the nations. And if you want the nations to enjoy this mercy, they got to hear. And how will they hear unless someone is sent? So I ask you, how do you feel about the nations? We're talking about thinking and feeling with the Psalms. God is not telling us, Psalm 96, in order to produce feelings of exhaustion. He's telling us, Psalm 96, in order to awaken feelings of exhilaration. And I mean missionary goers and missionary senders. Don't feel put upon here if God's hand is on you mightily to be a sender rather than a goer. Fine, not a problem. It's the disobedient I'm after. Not goers and senders, but the neutral. The TV watchers, the internet players, the think never about the nation's Christian. You're the ones I want to awake to do something amazing. So why, why do I say this, that it's awakening it's, it's meant to awaken exhilaration for the nations. And it's because of this singing issue in the psalm. The missionary impulse in this psalm is flowing from singing. Our singing and our summoning others to sing. Very strange. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. This is verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. This is a singing mission. Come on, earth. Come on, earth. Sing. Come on, trees, oceans, mountains, fish, birds, nations, all of them, peoples of the world. Sing with us. That's the feel of this song. That's why I say it's written not to burn on. I'm supposed to be interested in missions with all the other stuff in my life. It's meant to feel exhilarating. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. He's speaking of glory. This is the kind of feelings you have when your favorite team wins the Super Bowl or when your cross-town rival team that hasn't won this high school playoff for 15 years finally wins. You toot your horn all the way through town. Why? Glory, that's why. Glory. We all know little glories. 
We're just not good at big glories. Well, let's get good at big glories. Be on your face pleading, Oh God, open my eyes to what really matters in the universe. This is a glorious thing here. Declare His glories among the nations. His marvelous works. Not His ordinary works. Forget His ordinary works, whatever they are. Declare His marvelous works. You want to deal with marvel in your life? You want to feel marvel? Of course you do. That's why you go to these big cinematographic phenomena called movies. Big blowing up everywhere. Blow up. Why do you go to those? Because you long to feel something big, some marvel, and the best you can find is a dark theater. Spiritually, it's so blank when you read the Bible. If God would come to Bethlehem and open the eyes of our hearts to see His marvelous works and His glory, you would understand what I mean when I say This psalm is written to bring you exhilaration in your engagement with the nations as a goer or a sender. Let me say something else that I hope you will hear and really seriously consider. I believe the psalms are going here because you were made for this. You were made for this. This summoning nations to join you in singing to the Lord. When you confess that Jesus is the Lord of the universe, you sign up for significance beyond your dreams. Say that again. And I mean really, not mouthily. When you from the heart, by the power of the Holy Spirit, confess Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings and Lord of the universe and Lord of the nations. You sign up for significance in your life beyond your dreams. The question is whether you've found it. I'm talking businessmen who stay businessmen. Homemakers who stay homemakers, students who hopefully don't stay students. (laughs) To belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations for which he died and which he will rule. Your heart, believer, your heart was made for this. That's why I said earlier, if you don't embrace it, you will be sick. If you were made to walk and you go everywhere in a wheelchair, you're not, you're, your legs aren't well. They won't stay well. Even if they were well, they won't be well. You were made to embrace the nations. You were made to declare His glory in one way or the other, to care about this, to carry this in your heart, to find your highest significance in your engagement with this. Let me read you. J. Campbell White, first secretary of the layman's missionary movement in the early 1900s. He gathered millions of laymen and women, mainly businessmen and women, 
who wanted to give themselves as businessmen and women for the student volunteer movement that was raising up thousands and thousands of young people in the first 20 years of the 20th century. And here's what he wrote as he went around and talked to businessmen and businesswomen. Most men are not satisfied with the permanent output of their lives. Nothing can wholly satisfy the life of Christ within his followers except the adoption of Christ's purpose toward the world he came to redeem. Fame, pleasure, riches are but husks and ashes in contrast with the boundless and abiding joy of working with God for the fulfillment of his eternal plans. The men who are putting everything into Christ's undertaking are getting out of life its sweetest and most priceless rewards. How should you feel about the global purposes of Jesus Christ to be glorified among the nations? You should feel like this cause is the consummation of your meaning in life. Not the only meaning. And not the only activity, probably time-wise, not the main activity, but consummating all other activities by your saying, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done among these peoples as it's done by the angels in heaven. That's my daily cry, O God, and show me how I can invest my life So what's the situation today with the nations? Stunning shifts are in the offing as God is gathering his elect from all the nations and all the peoples of the world, sending his church. Europe and America are no longer the center of gravity in this enterprise. Latin America... Africa and Asia, it's all moving there. I'm here, pour my life out to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in this, as well as everything else, for the joy of all peoples. And I hope we are not totally left behind. I don't think we will be. But by and large, Europe is dead as far as missions goes. And America is dying by consumerism and worldliness and materialism and entertainment. We are, we are soft people. We do not embrace suffering readily. And that's the only way the gospel will reach the nations. I think South Korea proportionally is the most evangelical country in the world and even non-proportionally sends more missionaries than any other country in the world. I really want you to become familiar with two websites. If you're sitting there saying, well, what, what steps could I take? How, how could I grow in this? Where could I find out anything about nations and about peoples? Joshuaproject.net is the most amazing website on this issue. Joshua Project, no space, dot net. And the next one is peoplegroups.org. 
So if you want to count them, if you want names of them, if you want percentages of evangelicals in them, if you want whether they're engaged or not, according to the Joshua Project, 1,569 peoples, ethno-linguistic peoples, are not yet engaged with a missionary. And 6,747 of these peoples are called least reached because they have less than 2% evangelicals among them. Brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Declare his glory among the nations is not a complex sentence. How should you feel? A passion for their salvation and thrill that God rules over them, calls you to be emissaries to them, will one day gather from them people for himself. You were made for this, Christian. You were made for this, Christian. Don't be sick. Don't let any aspect of your soul degenerate from lack of use. Last and briefer note. First note struck, nations. Last note struck, briefly, singing. Flying like a banner over this psalm about nations. Flying like a banner over nations, 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 nations is sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless His name. Get the point? That's the way the psalm begins. Why? It's about nations. It's about saying among the nations the Lord reigns. It's about declaring His glory among the nations. It's about spreading the news of His wondrous works. Why does it begin telling us and them, Sing! And more specifically, why does it say, Sing to the Lord, not about the Lord, and sing a new song, not just an old song? I like old songs. This is about new songs. Simple reason why it begins this way. You can't summon the nations to sing if you aren't singing. What are you going to do? Walk among them and say, I don't sing, but you should sing. (laughs) That's not called authenticity. It won't work. Our job in missions is first to sing. Second half of verse 1. Sing to the Lord, not just about the Lord, all the earth. To the Lord, a new song. Verse 1, A, sing to the Lord a new song to the Lord. There's something happening in our day. By our day, I mean the last 30 years of my life. History is very short, you know. Anything that's been going on for 30 years is a day, a short day. 
And you know as well as I do that around the world there is a worship awakening of unprecedented proportions in modern history. New songs written to the Lord new intimacy, new engagement, new focuses on the nations. It was not hard for Mark, I'm sure, to find songs about the nations. They're everywhere. And many of them are to the Lord. I opened my old Wheaton College purchased RSV Bible yesterday afternoon because in it, on the back page, I listed all my favorite hymns back in the late 60s and early 70s. There were 33 of them. I went through and I counted the number that have any verse in them that is to the Lord and not about the Lord. And there were nine out of 33. Here they are. The Lord's my shepherd. How great thou art. Great is thy faithfulness, fairest Lord Jesus. We come, O Christ, to thee. Spirit of God, descend upon my heart. Be thou my vision, immortal, invisible, for all the saints. And all the rest, 24 of them, were about the Lord. And they're great. This is not a criticism. The Psalms mix it up all the time. To him, about him. To him, about him. To him, about him. And we mix it up at Bethlehem all the time. But when there is an awakening of a certain kind, two things happen. New songs are written. Why? Because you can't live off the spiritual capital of the past only. You can't. It's in you. It's got to come out. I gotta sing my song, my poem, my praise, my blessing to my children. I can't continually lean on dad and great, 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 great granddad. It's gotta come out. When a, when a certain kind of awakening is happening, new songs happen. And second, when a certain kind of awakening is happening that is very engaged with the living God, it's to him. They're to him. I find at my most moved moment standing here worshiping with you that when we are doing, he reigns, he reigns. Inside I'm saying, you reign, you reign. I cannot leave it at the he. I can't. It feels like uh, he's somewhere else and we're talking about him. Which is okay because the Psalms do that. But There is a certain moment in worship where you are communing with the living God. He's addressing you and you're addressing Him. And you cannot leave it in your heart at least with He reigns. You're saying, I submit you reign over me, over them. I want you to reign over them, not just He reigns over them. And I'm just saying something unusual is happening today. The connection between this Singing awakening around the world and missions is amazing. Amazing. To my knowledge, there never has been music and singing at the forefront of missions like there is today. 
Perhaps I don't know my history well enough. That's not the point. The point is, it's amazing how singing to the Lord of the nations is like the point of the spear among the nations today. It's remarkable. God is doing something bigger than we think, something bigger than one church, one ethnic group, one region of the world, one nation. The global church is singing, singing to the Lord, singing new songs, and singing about the lordship of God over the nations. And I'm just closing by saying, don't miss out. Like flipping on the television and dinking around on the internet, and you missed the party, the global event of what God is doing in our day because you're just so wrapped up in your little toys. What a tragedy for the American church. Don't go there. Bethlehem, don't miss out. Get the nations on your heart. Think rightly about God's global purposes. Feel deeply about His marvelous work. Sing with all your heart to the Lord. Be a part of the summoning of the nations to join you. Close like this. Go back to Jesus. No, let's go forward to Jesus. May at our church, may the center of our singing and our lives and our mission be the center of the new song in heaven. All the new songs in heaven that we know about are about old things. And the one I have in mind to close with is this one. And they sang a new song saying, they sang a new song saying, Worthy art thou to open the scroll, for you were slain. Not he. You were slain, and by your blood did ransom men for God from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and has made them a kingdom, priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. That's called a new song in heaven. And the center of the new song is Jesus Christ crucified for my sin and for the sins of everyone in all the peoples of the world who would put their faith in Him. We have the best news in all the world. Let's sing it and let's spread it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I know that my words are powerless to bring about what I long for here unless the Holy Spirit comes. We have one brief life to live. And so many Christians waste it on silly, silly, meaningless, empty, go-nowhere things. When their soul could experience Blowed with significance. God, open our eyes. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.